Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. And alongside me from the Everything F1 team today, we do have Coops. Hi, Coops. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, very good. What have you had for dinner today? Has it been just a couple of custard creams? No, it was a hobnob I've got. Oh, hobnob today. Okay. The, the classic hobnob, the ultimate banker. Mixing it up a little bit. We've also got alongside us from the Everything F1 team, Amy. Hi, Amy. How are you? Hi, you okay? Yeah, you had a busy week this week? Yeah, always in school, so we've got things going on, but it's fine. Yeah, looking forward to the race. Yeah, and we've also got a guest alongside us today from the Motormouth podcast. It's Tim Sylvie. Hi, Tim. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks for joining us today. Can you kind of give us a little kind of rundown of what Motormouth is? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I mean, Motormouth is, it's a podcast, as you say. We're about 100 and, I think we're about 100 and, I'm not sure when this is coming out, but around about 140, 141 episodes in. And we have an app and a website with news and views and contributors and writers. And we have live F1, F2 and Formula E timings on the app and website. There's all sorts of content on there. And then and we have events. We, we partner with the Brain Tumor Charity in November and we run celebrity karting events a couple of times a year. And yeah, we're, we're just a you know, small but growing community and publisher that hopefully one day will will take on the big boys that's the plan i mean same kind of focus as us probably but yeah sounds great and i do listen to the odd episode of your podcast in terms of i will listen to the alex alban one recently but we'll talk about those those towards the end of this podcast itself first we're going to chat about the brazilian grand prix that's up and coming this weekend thoughts on the brazilian grand prix tim are you is it a favorite of yours yeah, I mean, it's a good one. I'm quite excited for it because it's a good time of year. I think it's it's a high rainfall time of year. So mm. I'm hoping, I haven't checked the forecast. I don't know what it's doing. Have you rain. seen it? Yes, yeah, rain. rain. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it even more with a bit of rain. And the sprint race, obviously, if it rains with that, we're, we're in full sorts of excitement. But no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it was, a, it was a good race last year with Hamilton coming from miles back 10th or something like that wasn't it in the yeah he, he was in, 20 he was dead last in the sprint and then got up to sprint, fifth yeah at the end yeah. of the sprint sprint and then obviously won the race on, on the race day as well so yeah so i'm looking forward to it i like it it's a it's a you know it's an iconic it's his, a historic track and i just hope we don't get a, a repeat of mexico because that was that was boring <laughs> A bit, uh, a bit of a snooze fest. Let's let's hope they kind of put that behind them and we have a great race. But, you know, Sao Paulo, Amy, is a track that does deliver some great... It has, in the past, delivered some great races. And obviously last year was one of those highlights of the track. Yeah, definitely. I think I think Hamilton might have a good shot this weekend, to be honest. I am hoping he does just to have one good race. And if he wins, which really maybe not likely, but if he does, it, it would be great considering he's just had his citizenship honorary award thing and that it'll just be great, I think. I think it'll be a great weekend for him while well, I'm hoping so. Um mm, even I think as the a crowd will go fan, wild. Yeah, even as a Red Bull fan, I do think he deserves something. Just to let, I just want him to get that one win. British bias, maybe, but I just need him to get that one thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you, but I do think it will be difficult, won't it? The Brazilian Grand Prix, not necessarily going to suit the Mercedes car going into the weekend, but who knows? It should be okay. I mean, they're, they're there or thereabouts, and the car is it's getting better. I think the car that will be affected a bit more than Mercedes is probably Ferrari. It's not quite as high altitude as Mexico, but it's still quite high. So they may not have the full power because of their smaller turbo, which has to run faster, and then it runs even more fast because of the the, the higher altitude. Yeah, which causes reliability. They had to turn the bed for Mexico. So it, I think it'll be. I, 
it's wet, so anything goes really, especially in Sao Paulo when it's raining. So yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. You only have to think back to two thousand and eight with the team. Is that Glock? Is that Glock? Falling line. off the track. Yeah. Oh, if you speak to certain people, that was all because Toyota were giving it to Hamilton and yeah. the tinfoil hats were out and all that. You know, again, yeah, we've had quite a few decent races there. You know, I think Verstappen had a pretty good way race at one point. We've had, uh, I think, one of Ayrton Senna's wins at uh, Sao Paulo was when it was raining. Uh, yeah, quite bad. Verstappen won in two thousand and nineteen, didn't he? So he has won here as well. So he's got pedigree the track. Tim mentioned, obviously, it's a sprint race this weekend. Amy, are you looking forward to it? Are you a, a fan of the sprint? Obviously, you're being one of the younger fans to the sport. Are you enjoying this new organisation of the weekend, having a sprint on the Saturday? Can't call it a sprint race, but a sprint <laughs> on the Saturday. Well, I do, but I understand why people don't sort of thing. But I like it just because I think I grew up and I'm very competitive with my brother and he doesn't like it. So I think it's just, <laughs> it might be a bit similar. I've got to like it because, you know, but I always do love them. I think the more race in the better but then i understand that are they increasing the sprint races next year isn't it to six or something like that they keep they're yes. trying to keep on adding more so yeah i yeah. think it'll be six next year and probably the by the end of the you know the growth of it it'll probably nearly every race apart from <laughs> monaco which would be impossible to do tim were you a fan of the sprint when they introduced it oh not not when they first introduced it but that was just me being probably it's probably a generational thing like you mm. say you know amy you're obviously a younger fan. I can tell by the beard growth on Coops that he's not, <laughs> not in the same age category. But I, I think, I think for me, it was uh, it was just a bit of a shock when it all when it first arrived. But but actually now, as with a lot of things that happen in Formula One that are new, that everyone flips out about immediately, whether it's a, the logo change or a format change or regulation, everyone always has a complete meltdown, like the halo. No. <laughs> and then it, it, you know after a little while it becomes normal and and now i'm already getting used to it and i'm kind of up for seeing more next year so yeah i think i'm i'm on board with it i don't mind it yeah and as long as they choose the tracks correctly like i say they couldn't possibly do it at monaco but we've had we've had some good ones and we have had some pretty boring ones so let's just hope that brazil maintains you know the excitement that he did have last year basically i guess coops is a purist and doesn't like the sprint. Still don't like the sprint. Are you still firmly within that camp, Coops? I'm well, going to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the problem I have is it seems to be the race for about a lap, and then it just seems to settle in. Mm. What's the point? Yeah. You know, it's. I mean, I, I will give it its due. It has mixed up the grid, whether that's by design or whether that's just coincidence. I don't know, but there has been a few mix up which have caused which have, you know, carried on a kind of ripple effect onto the race. But you know, like I said before, I started watching Formula One in nineteen ninety two, you know. And I've always thought sprint qualifying and all that kind of stuff to me felt gimmicky. And I you know, I, I watched what I watched the uh, British student cars, they do all that they went through all their different gimmicks and sprints and mandatory pit stops and forcing things to change it around. I thought right, leave them with that. <laughs> and Formula One has this and then they're like let's do this and then you had Bernie talking about medals instead of points and you know it got a bit scary and sprinklers and all sorts yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was the big one let's whack on the sprinklers halfway through like let's stop uh, so you know I was always the, I, I, always, I, I think I'll always have that kind of purist side to me uh, uh, you know, to, to, to annoy the purists, though, I don't think Monaco should ever be a Grand Prix anymore. But, you know, it's, it's, uh... That will upset the purists. I apologise yeah, on his behalf. No, don't apologise. <laughs> I mean, when the cars are six-odd foot wide and God yeah. knows how long they are now, you know, you've kind of got to think that's it. You know, back in the day, it was smaller and it, it was fun, but not anymore. Anyway, I digress. Okay, so we are at Interlagos. The lap length is 4.309 kilometres with 71 laps in total, making it a total race distance of 305.879 kilometres. The current lap record is held by Valtteri Bottas, who did it in 2018 in 1 minute 10.540 seconds. So it is a quick lap, although I'm not expecting any fastest lap records this year. The first Grand Prix that was there in 1973, so... It's been going there for a long time, long, long time. What are your expectations? Let's let's talk about the championship winners first then. Red Bull and Max Verstappen, Tim, the dominating force of the season. Are they going to continue that here? 
I think he'll win again. I mean, <laughs> he's won basically every race. He, what fourteen mm-hmm. races he's won this this season. He, he's gonna you know smash it on the points front. He's setting records all over the place. He's just a, the complete driver at the moment, isn't he? I mean, I just mm-hmm. can't see anybody getting close to him if his if his car runs as it should. He's brilliant in the wet. If it does rain, I, I think it's it's got to be another Verstappen win if his motivation remains up there. You know, now he's got the championship, but I, you know, knowing how competitive he is, then I think it's it's the only result I can see unless something happens mechanically or or there's you know an issue with with safety cars. But yeah, for me, it's 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 a Verstappen win again. Yeah, and Sergio Perez, who is in the same machinery, just can't touch him. But he, he can't get anywhere close. No, he's a different. He's a different class, isn't he? I mm. mean, he he was looking good last year, but this year he just seems to have stepped up massively again. And he's been untouchable and and calm. And you know, he, the other drivers talk about him being so calm and collected. You know, moments before he gets into the car, he's he's as relaxed as you like, and you can see it. He's just that hot headed nature that he came into the sport with seems to have gone. And he just drives with a smile on his face. Now he's, he's, I can't see any other result. Yeah, there's been a, a, just a couple of moments this year where the kind of the old Max's temper has come out. But on the whole, as you say, this year, he's just a different driver, just a completely level head and just, you know, pumping in all those facets. Did you see the last, it was like t- last 20 laps of, of Mexico were all in one minute, all in the low yeah. 122s. They were just yeah. ridiculously yeah. consistent. Like you've never seen. Like thirty laps the same, or twenty-five laps the same. It was it was crazy. No, because he was told by his engineer, "We need one twenty-twos," and he went like, <laughs> and I was like, "Certainly not." And the I only time that. it wasn't one twenty-two was the pit stop, and then the virtual safety car for two mm. laps. What's terrifying yeah. about him though is he? Could, how old is he? He's still only like mid twenties, isn't he? Twenty-three years, twenty-four. Twenty-five. He's twenty-five now. Coops. Oh. It's a couple of years. Add a couple of years to that. Yeah, twenty-five. So if he, you know, if he stays in a competitive car, he could end up with like ten world championships. It's insane. Mm. Oh, the, worry, the, the thing that the thing that gets me is the fact he's been in Formula One for about six, seven years already. Yeah, I mean, he was seventeen years old. He turned up, so you're like, right. <laughs> Not only do you make me feel very old. Yeah. Ah, oh, talking of which, do you know what made me feel really old the other day? And you will appreciate this because I think you had him on your show as well. Is Sebastian Buemi. Yes, he's thirty-three. It feels like Buemi's been around since the the nineteen seventies. Thirty-three years old. That, I couldn't believe that and what he's achieved in his career. I mean, that yeah. is really old. Anyway, yeah, we had him on recently, as as of you, haven't you? Yeah, he must yeah. be doing the rounds. Yeah. But he he wasn't necessarily so successful in Formula One. But since he's left Formula One, he's just had an absolutely brilliant career, and obviously he's squeezed a load in in since he's left. So fair play to him. And that was a great interview. If you want to go and listen to it, by all means head over to your, your favourite podcast streaming service and take a listen. Let's talk about Mercedes then. Amy, Yeah, um... we've all mentioned in our intro that we, we may like Hamilton or George, in fact, any of either of the Mercedes team to kind of get that win, at least to keep records going and take some points off Red Bull, although you're a Red Bull fan yourself. I just think they just need the win at the moment because I think they're just in a bit of a rut. They're not getting anywhere and they just need to kind of keep on going with it. I do it. I think Russell's got a bit of a temper on him and mm. I think he wants it. You can kind of tell he really wants it. And I do think that him and Hamilton have been getting a little too close lately with the cars, my liking. Mm-hmm. And maybe there could be something there this weekend. I don't know. It depends where they get in quality, I suppose, and sprint race. Yeah, and George has also had some unfortunate circumstances on the first corner uh, of the race yeah. a, a couple of times this season too. Coops, are you expecting Mercedes to run well? I think they'll do okay. Uh, personally, I would love the two of them to run into each other. Uh, <laughs> I just, yeah, I just want to see the spice. I want to see the fireworks. I don't know what George Russell's been up to though, because I kind of you, you, know, you had that bit of respect for him in the Williams. You can see the talent. He's hit Mercedes, and he's became a bit of a whiner. He's mm. uh, he's a bit of a, and he's like, you know, when he hit Saints and Kota, he was kind of blaming him, and you're like, can I come and judge? Uh, Charlie or Josh Rain uh, in a little bit Yeah he's, he's going back To what it was at The Italian Grand Prix Where he took out Bottas And it looked like He was slapping a helmet And all that And yeah. Toto had to Pull him aside And go Yeah hey, mate That was you uh, <laughs> That, that kind of Attitude they had He kind of I don't know if that was The mask slipping And that is actually Who he is But Yeah he's getting a But he needs to Kind of rein that in Just a tiny bit I mean But I mean He's a 
in his defence, I'm going to defend him here. Often these <laughs> these things are said while he's tra- hurtling 200 miles per hour around a racetrack. The, the adrenaline is pumping. And he's, you know, he's got to have this belief in himself and he's got to kind of think that he's worthy. So he's going to have the, the, that kind of, I don't know, that attitude that goes along with all, all the best racing drivers in the world will have an attitude that, hang on, it's my race, it's my line, I own this, you, you got in my way. Yeah, all Formula 1 drivers have an ego. I mean, let's look at Fernando Alonso for one. <laughs> uh, you know, they all they all have, they all think they're the best. Uh, they all believe it. But you know, there's certain ways to carry yourself. You mm. know, and I just think he's kind of straying away from what we all liked about him before. You know, maybe that is just the pressure of Mercedes not performing the way he wants it, and he just he's, he's he's fighting against Hamilton. Yeah. You know I mean, regardless of what MD says, he wants to finish in front of Hamilton in the championship. I'm not mm. 100% sure where they are in the championship. They must be relatively close. I think it's 19 uh, points between them or, or something like that. Yeah. It's it's close. So there's, uh, with the remaining three races, if you consider the, the sprint, sprint as a race uh, and the points that are there, I think he possibly can be overtaken by Hamilton. But it's, you know, there's got to be a lot of things that fall into place. Yeah. Let's let's move on to Ferrari then, Tim. Are you a Scuderia Ferrari fan? Obviously a massive name like Ferrari and they came out this year looking really promising but kind of fallen by the wayside yeah they've just sort of they've been their own worst enemy really haven't they and you know the fact that mercedes could actually mathematically beat them this with two races to go is is mental when you think back to the start of the season and and the the shape that mercedes were in in the first well probably first or half a dozen races something like that and then you know as, as the season's gone on Mercedes have sort of clawed things back again and Hamilton seemed to have got his mojo back after George doing quite well at the start of the year so it's it's uh, it's kind of hard to to comprehend that they're they're in the position they are I mean obviously they're not doing badly you know they're still right up there but you know that the fact that they are so close to Mercedes is is a bit odd and uh, you know science is probably not not quite lived up to the expectation and you know Leclerc's had his issues it's it's been a a weird old season for them when you think they've got actually you know a quick car there mm. this year and it's just it's just not really happened for them and i think that's put down to a little bit of driver error and a lot of team mistakes and the combination of those has meant that they've they've really underperformed with what the machinery they've got yeah absolutely and and as you say uh, as coops mentioned earlier the mexico grand prix was was really terrible for them really because they were well off the pace just the, the car might not be suited to this altitude as well coops is that what you're saying it's just it's not quite as high as mexico but but this is going to be probably a difficult race weekend for them yes uh, pretty much what what the problem is that ferrari decided to go with smaller turbos mm. and smaller turbos are fine but the thing is to get the same power as the larger turbos the turbos got to spin faster yeah, uh, and in the higher altitude, it spins even faster. And what was found was Carlos Sainz's failure in Austria was because the turbo decided to yeet itself back to Maranello, <laughs> which was what you saw at the side of the that big that pop as it went. That was the that was the turbo, and that's when they found out that they can't have them at full power and low at higher altitude because they just can't handle it. Mm. So yeah, that's why they, they had to turn things down during Mexico, and that's could because it's not anywhere near as close to the height of Mexico, but it mm. could be a factor. The thing that will play into their hands is the weather. Yeah, power units are going to be full full tilt because of the weather, so that could play into their hands. Yeah, it's the great leveller, isn't it? The weather. So let's hope the rain falls at least on one of the days, especially the, the, maybe the sprint to mix up the race day grid. We don't need to talk about every team, but there are a few key members that I want to talk about. Uh, the McLaren and Alpine battle has been kind of shaping up quite nicely this season. Let's go to Tim, nodding your head. See, me and Coops, we've got a bit of a, a bias for McLaren. Mm. So it'd be good to go to somebody else <laughs> that maybe doesn't have that bias, but you probably I'm, do, or you might I'm not. I'm afraid do. I do. I do have that bias. <laughs> uh, uh, not only because they're they're a British team, they've got a, a quality British driver, but I do a lot of work with McLaren as well. So I'm sort of completely biased. So I hope that they do trounce Alpine and everything's fine. And, and you know, <laughs> the world is balanced. So that's good. Yeah, and Danny Ricciardo has come off a, a pretty decent run uh, yeah. and a driver of the day in Mexico. So 
I keep saying this every time he has a good race one week, he goes in to have a terrible week the next. So I'm just going to leave it there, actually. But what, what do you think of him though, as a as an as a driver? Like, if you look at him across the last few years or his F1 career, do, do you think he's a top class driver? I think he is a good driver. I don't necessarily think he's a world champion driver. I do think he's probably kind of your comfortably top five, but maybe not top two. That's my that's my opinion. Coops, what would you say? He was verging on being good, like as in cementing his career, and then he decided to leave Brazil. Yeah, I think that's what killed it. He's done the Australian version of Alonso. <laughs> Uh, the wrong decisions at the wrong times. He's left Red Bull because it was a personal thing. It was nothing to do with the car. He's went to Renault. He had an okay first season, had a really good second season. He's then moved to McLaren, which didn't work. And you can at me if you're a McLaren, if you're a Ricardo fan. It hasn't worked. But everybody thought when you saw McLaren, Norris, Ricardo, you thought, oh, you know, Carlsberg can make a team. There we are. Yeah. And then very quickly you're like, well, it's going Yeah. Why is he why is he sixteen? What, what what? How about you, Tim? What what do you think of Ricardo? Where do, where does he rank in your kind of top twenty? Um, I mean, similar to Coops, really, I think. He's just not been there the, the last few years. And he, it's been a real disaster at McLaren, hasn't it? I mean, he's it's just been really, really poor. He's been so far off the pace of Norris. And and Norris is a quality driver. I, I don't think Norris will ever be like a multiple world champion, but he's a a top draw driver and he's, mm. he's pretty much schooled Ricardo for their time together and it's just a shame last race he showed glimpses of his past self you know lunging mm. into corners and great overtakes and it was brilliant but it's sort of so few and far between and I know he hasn't got on with that car but you know the great drivers adapt to their machinery don't they and and mm. they make it work and so yeah I'm with Coops I, I think I think he's been of a a letdown doesn't really fulfill his potential and and who knows whether we'll see him back he says he will be back but i'm not so sure mm. no we're, we're all shaking our head there i think yeah the problem that i think a lot of people seem to forget is ricardo was brought in to lead that team not to be beaten by norris and not the occasional race see if it was occasional races where he was two tenths off three tenths off and then he was more or less there the whole time he wouldn't have lost the last year of his contract. It's it's when you have Norris sixth or seventh and he's out in Q1. Yeah. And he's been paid $25 million or whatever it is, if, if you know, reports are be, to be believed. It, it's just not good enough. And mm. he's just not done it consistently. Uh, and that's the big thing Tim kind of touched on. It's the adaptability part. That's why Alonso's still racing in these 40s and that's why Aston Martin wanted to give them a multi-year contract. He goes in anything that moves and he'll drive it. Yeah. yeah. And he'll put it places he shouldn't. Mm. You know, Ricardo should have been able to do that and he couldn't. Tim, against Alpine then, can you try and be a bit subjective? Do you think McLaren will come out? You, well, you obviously want McLaren to come out top, but do you think... McLaren will come come out on top against the Alpine team this weekend. Oh, hard to say. I mean, like you say, my 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 heart says yes, and I'm going to say my head says yes as well. Why not? You know, I'd, I'd love to see them do it, and and I think if it is going to be a wet race, very likely that it could happen either way. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my money behind behind McLaren and see them finish ahead of the Alpine boys this weekend. Yeah, and Coops. Subjectively, Alpine have been really strong, actually, the last few races, doing quite well, especially Fernando Alonso. Well, actually, Ocon, in fact, they're, they're both doing. I had to think yeah, for a no, second. I, I think Alpine will go in front uh, this weekend. And I think now this is difficult because Alpine should be a lot further ahead of McLaren in this time. Mm. Uh, with that car, the car's a good car, it's just not reliable. Uh, and if you, if you believe Alonso's maths, He's lost 60 points because of uh, reliability-related issues. Yeah. Uh, don't know where he's getting that figure from. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, th- I, think, I think it's going to have to... It'll probably go to Alpine. Okay. It doesn't Alpine in a lot. <laughs> there's going to be some some serious conversation because they shouldn't be this close. McLaren's no. car's not that good. Mm. Alpine shouldn't be only was it seven points I think I checked yes about seven points different mm. uh, so McLaren's yeah. car looks nice though doesn't it it's pretty yeah, uh, yeah. looks very looks looks amazing I love it 
I love that orange. Uh, the papaya. 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 <laughs> yeah. And uh, to be controversial, the Singapore livery, now that I've seen the, 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 the original one back, I didn't like it. <laughs> when I first seen the picture of it with the pink and stuff, I thought, ooh, nice. But when you saw it on track, I was like, mm. <laughs> yeah, quite like the, the, the papaya and the, the black and stuff. Okay, Amy, let's talk about Aston Martin and Sebastian Vettel, who is soon to be retiring. I am absolutely gutted. I think one thing I wanted to do in my lifetime was go and see him race live, and I will never get that chance now, so I'm actually gutted, unless he comes back. We never know. Or well, he might do another series. You might not. <laughs> yeah, just, true. Not, maybe not just in an F1 car. <laughs> oh, I'm gutted. But I do think he has taken that Aston Martin quite far. Mm. And I think the, considering the Aston Martin car this year, I think he's done well with what he's got. Yeah, and to be fair, a driver that's really surprised me is Stroll, and that's really like unpopular. But I do think he gets a lot more hate than he deserves sometimes. Hmm. I do. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's going to be the next Verstappen. However, I do think he he has got this year. I think he has kind of been delivering some good races, and I think it's actually been a bit of a shock, and I've quite liked it. Yeah, but I don't know whether that's down to just Sebastian Vettel maybe giving him some key tips. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it could be he's, uh, you know he's a four-time champion after all so yeah sharing his knowledge and and whatnot but yeah i i can't see them doing too too amazingly really uh, in that car yeah i think they're all they're planning all their money hopefully under budget into next year's car get their paperwork all sorted <laughs> <laughs> in time this time please boys yeah. is there anything anyone else that you want to kind of have a special mention about coops yeah, I don't know if it's still the fallout from the Mexican Grand Prix, but I just couldn't really think of anything that happened. Because <laughs> uh, nothing it, did happen at the Mexican Grand Prix. Well, that is very it was, true. It was, uh, it, was, it was one of those races where you kind of, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, and it just it just never did. Yeah, and then when you saw the Mercedes come out in the, in the hard tie, you thought, oh, well, let's go pick it up. No, I don't know. I mean, I think for me, Jen, it's just going to be how the weekend's going to look at it, as we talked earlier, the weather from... From what the weather's saying just now, it's rain all weekend with mm. no gap. It's just rain. Now, what will probably happen now that we've bigged it up is that everything will happen in that hour or two hours per day. But there's no rain, and it'll just be a it'll just be just a procession the whole way. <laughs> Don't but, put it down on it. We can't have two races in succession where they uh-huh. where it's bad and boring. Well, um, I, I would I, I think to be honest uh, to, to answer your question finally. I, I kind of want to see Mick Schumacher do something. I, to be honest, I think he's already not got a position. I think he's his seat's already away. I think it's been away for a while. The way that Gunther's talking about, the way Gene Haas came out and said he's a fast mm. driver, but he's inventive, you know, he's red track and stuff. The way that Gunther said he's fed up with rookies. Yeah. I, I think something's done already. Yeah, well, there was uh, rumours floating around that that Nico Hulkenberg had signed documentation to say that he was going to race for the next year. And that's going to be released on Thursday before the Brazilian Grand Prix. Now, this is all speculation. This just comes from, uh, I can't remember which agency released that information. Uh, well, a quick question to the panel. Now, is Nico Hulkenberg, who's not raced in Formula One for, what is it, three years now? Well, he has. He's, had, Consi- da- well, he's, da- he's dabbled in it. Yeah. Uh, consistently for about three years. Is he an upgrade to... Max Schumacher, I think he is. I th- I think he's. I think you'll you'll get you'll save money because you're not going to be paying out on broken parts. He's, <laughs> he's a reliable driver, and I was listening to Julian Palmer talk about him, and he's so complimentary of him. He's like he, he's rapid. He's a quick quick driver. He's reliable. He'll give you great feedback in the garage. They'll take you know take him for a couple of years. They're they're a team that can't afford to lose a load of money with crash damage. At the mm. moment, take him for a year, a season or two, you know, sort yourselves out, get some more points, get up the constructors, get some more money, and then take a, a, a you know, younger, perhaps wilder, but, but more up and coming driver. But he's a safe pair of hands, isn't he? And I think I th- the only thing is that you could argue that Schumacher hasn't really had his opportunity. You know, he's still learning his craft in Formula One. So should he be given another year? But I think on balance, I think. He would probably be a good, a better replacement than than Schumacher staying. Right. Okay. I think you know I I, I like Nico and he's been around quite a bit. You know, and he's he's got a great personality. The crowd love him. The teams love him. It's probably sponsors love him as well. You know, he's got that big name and he's got got kind of a, a cult status with the the fact that he was the super sub from COVID years and and up to this year really. But is it time for someone else? But 
as you say, if if Haas won a safe pair of hands, he he will be a safe pair of hands. But will he be fighting for the most points that he can possibly get? I'm not 100% sure. I don't know that he's going to be as hungry as somebody fresh coming into the sport. Or obviously Mick Schumacher, who, you know... He's had some flashes of brilliance throughout his time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say brilliant. So flashes. Flashes of keeping <laughs> it on the road. Uh, I think the other factor as well for Haas, which I kind of never thought about, was the MoneyGram sponsor, which is reportedly around the $20 million mark, which mm. Gene Haas has now said that they can now hit the budget cap. Because a lot of the smaller teams don't hit that. You know, they're not needed. They don't have that budget. Mm. So when you've got, you know, if, uh, so I suppose... Looking at it from Tim's perspective as well, if you've got you've got two people who are very good motor racers, they're very good by analysis and feedback and stuff, and then you're finally getting the financial investment to develop properly. Mm. So maybe the timing for Hulkenberg and Magnussen, who are two very accomplished drivers in their own right, to come in and just stabilise the team, yeah, get them going where they're going because that car's a very, it's a it's a decent car. It's mm. the we can't develop it. It's a bit like the Alfa Romeo situation where they've, they've came in at a good point, but you can't develop, so you fall back down the grid. It's like what, how Formula 1 works. So, you know, get the money in, get the two people in to help you, because Mick Schumacher is who he is, and we've all got that romance of the Schumacher name, but he's not going to come back and give good feedback about what to do with this, that, and the next thing, and where to send their car development. So, you know, I think, probably the best way to go for this year because there's not much else mm. out there really. Yeah, Mick, Mick seems confident that he might get something in 2024. Uh, obviously, Audi So does Daniel Ricciardo, so does this other <laughs> guy. Everybody's aiming for 24, but to be fair, there's a few contracts running out yeah. for 24, so... It does help there'll be more spaces, absolutely. And Audi obviously coming in, they've got a bit of... Although they're not coming in until 2026, they've probably got a bit of clout with Sauber. So if, if Sauber's going to Take a top, take a driver on. It could potentially be a German driver for the German manufacturer. You never know. It's all speculation at this yeah, point. They, they have said that they would like to have a German driver in when they come in. So you know, if Mick Schumacher plays his cards right, keeps himself in and around, mm. take a reserve seat or something. Do you think Schumacher should be on the grades, or like, do you think he's earned his place on the grades? Because that's no. kind of a big question on the social media. I just wanted to know. <laughs> He's trading on his name a bit, but yeah, like I say, he's had, he's had a few flashes of, of good racing. Tim? I mean, if you've got enough super license points to get to Formula One, you know, you, you can't you can't fake it in Formula no. One anymore. Yeah. So I think he deserves his shot, but whether he deserves to retain it is another question. Yeah. Kate, anyone else that you want, want to do a special mention about any drivers they're expecting to do well at the weekend? I, I think we've touched on all the key players. Gasly and Tsunoda, the, the Alpha uh, Tauri uh, team, haven't have just not been there this the, year. The, so the Reno, the Reno do them a favour. That car is awful. I think they're just kind of reining in the rest of the year. Go back to the kind of drawing board and decide, figure out. They're they're in the same boat as Aston. They they just got it wrong. Uh, I just expected a lot more, I think, and I think a lot of people did, and yeah. I think did not reach it this year. I don't know what is wrong, and I'm quite a big fan of like Gasly as well. So to see that, I was like, oh, really? It was almost like his talent has been a bit wasted. And Sonoda, to be honest, he has surprised me this year a bit crashy, but that's him in it. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Yeah, excitable. I think is yeah. probably the word. <laughs> Okay, well, that's pretty much our Brazilian Grand Prix. Oh, let's let's make our top three predictions. I'll put you all on the spot. We'll go to Amy first, ladies first this weekend. What do you reckon? One, two, and three. Oh, Staffan. Okay. Perez and Hamilton. Okay. Coops? Verstappen, uh, Hamilton. You're going to put a Ferrari up there too. Tim, could you could you be so bold oh, as to pick well, a Well, I was going to... I just jotted down my, my top two... Promise I'm not copying. I, I was going to go Verstappen one, Hamilton two. My third place, I think, if it rains, I, if it rains heavily, is it heavy rain? Are we talking like monsoon weather? Uh, From what I've seen, it's just rain. It's just just rain. Mo- saw, moderate rain all weekend. Moderate, moderate rain, bit greasy. Let's go, let's go a bit left field. Let's get Alonso up there, shall we? <laughs> I mean, That'd be great. Know, yeah, you never know. Uh, Stranger things have happened. It's Brazil, it's wet. Let's go Verstappen, Hamilton, Fernando Alonso. 
And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go completely left field. I'm not gonna go with my head. I'm gonna go with my heart. And I'm gonna say Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen, and then I'm gonna put Lando Norris on there as well. Just I like to, it. Uh, and a Latifi yeah. top ten. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? That'd be a good a good sayonara to him, I guess. One one last flash of whatever he is. Um, <laughs> so, so let's talk about the news that's dropped this week. There hasn't been much news, to be honest with you, but the one story that probably most people have seen now is Lewis Hamilton has gone up to the Brazilian governments and, and received his honorary citizenship for Brazil, which makes this a an honorary home race for him at the race weekend in Brazil. There's not really much to say about it. It's a, it's a great honour for him, obviously, as as an Ayrton Senna fan. And obviously, he's he's won in Brazil three times and he always loves being there. They, and the fans seem to kind of lap it up. So congratulations to him, I guess. Is is there anything that you that you want to add to that, uh, Tim? It's a bit random, isn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, congratulations. He's a, a citizen of, of Brazil. I don't know. It's weird. I think it's, I mean, it's very nice for him. He's clearly got an, an affinity with the Brazilian fans. As you say, Senna was his idol. So, you know, there's, there's a connection there. He's been racing there a long time. It's just... It's just weird, isn't it? You can drive around in circles and become an honorary citizen um, mm. when I think there's probably quite a lot of people trying to get citizenship in different countries that have perhaps, you know, not had the privileges of of Lewis and and don't yeah. get citizenship. So yeah, a bit weird, but congratulations to him. I mean, it's, it's a nice honor. I'm sure he's very happy about it. I don't know. I mean... Just seems a bit weird, but there we are. And and it brings out the haters as well. Obviously, they always have to have, make a comment about it. But you know, oh yeah, the Twitter mobocracy will will go nuts. <laughs> Coops, have you got any other articles that you want to speak about? Any news that's popped yes. up in your feed that you want to? There, there was one which was quite interesting for me. It's to do with Formula E. Yeah, Formula E are moving into the new Gen Three era. So they're, yeah. they're coming in with a new version of the car and technologies and stuff, but it's not gone very smoothly. We've got supply issues, the technology's not as reliable as it should be. So things aren't quite going well. The season starts in January. But one of the guys from the FIA, Frederick Bertrand, who was very much entrenched in everything to do with Formula E from the FIA side, and also entrenched in the Gen 3 stuff, has just resigned from the FIA and become the new CEO of Mahindra Racing. Now, mm-hmm. to put it in Formula One perspective, that could that's Pat Simmons, who was involved in the aero design in this new era, yeah. leaving just as they launched the new aero, and then joining as the head of aero for Mercedes. Yeah. You know, it's kind <laughs> of like taking the secrets along to your competitors. So it's a bit... I just thought it was a bit weird. Uh, Will there be a gardening leave kind of No, it's starting in December. Wow. He's just handed in his notice last week and he's starting in December. What on earth are you suggesting? Uh, I, I, I think he's taking his homework and letting someone having a look at the book. He'll have a secret USB stick that he snip, well, smuggles out. The, the only thing, though, going by how poorly the Gen 3's kind of got itself sorted, I don't know if the homework's worth copying, to be fair. <laughs> so I just thought it was quite an entertaining thing to bring up. So we'll, we'll see if they use that to their success as the season unfolds. I guess it's it's starting soon, isn't it? Is it starting? Yeah, uh, what did you say, January? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's Saudi, isn't it, the first one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. cool. And the, the thing that makes it even more interesting is the Gen 3 is having some issues or bedding in and all that stuff I've just mentioned. Do you know they haven't even published and sorted out their sporting regulations for the new season either? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of leaving a lot of things very late as a, as a formula. But it'll get there. It'll get there. Yeah. Well, it has to. There's not much of a choice. <laughs> it's a funny looking machine, isn't it? It's it looks like weird. A free, yeah. Looks like a boat. Yeah. It does. I, I thought it looked like a paper airplane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, they, they looked at an old Japanese origami boat and thought, uh, book yeah. and thought let's, let's try and make it look weird. But <laughs> talking earlier about the, the size of the Formula One cars going around Monaco, the Formula E cars are perfect. Uh, oh, yeah. Nothing around Monaco. That's. That track made for Formula E is amazing. They have yeah, some great they, races there. They do. They've had, they, they've yeah, had very two on the full track, and they've, had, they've actually had overtaking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and you know the Gen Three. The only good thing for the Gen Three so far is they've made the cars smaller and yeah. faster. They they were bringing in rapid recharging pit stops, but they haven't been able to get that. That's the biggest thing they haven't been able to get reliable. There seems to be a lot of issues with that, so that might not happen next year. But they can get things if they can just kind of tidy up their house a wee bit. 
you know, I think it could be quite interesting. It still will be. I mean, there's been a lot of changes in Formula E, a lot of teams moving. We've got DS, I think it is. Uh, I think they've Cheetah, they're not racing next year. Oh, yeah, Mark yeah. And they've, we've got Maserati now, which is yeah. cool. Yeah, Maserati's there. So there's a lot, I think, and I think Porsche just released Porsche. the images of their, yeah. their car just a few days ago. So it's definitely something for anyone who wants to look at motorsport in the off-season. Let's not talk about the noise of the cars because they're electric. You know, we've been there and done that. Just mm. enjoy it for the racing because it, it's actually pretty decent. I do quite enjoy my Formula E. Yeah, and I, I've got to say, as a, as a person that was objectional to it, for the first couple of seasons, I've actually really enjoyed it over the last couple of years. When we've when I've been covering it a bit more, obviously on these podcasts and speaking to the drivers and and hearing about it, you know, it's it's become a lot more interesting. So so kind of yeah, like you say, put that noise complaint away and give it a watch because it's very entertaining racing. The big issue they've got at the moment as a series is that it looks like they could have a, a season with no North American race, which from a commercial perspective is a bit of a disaster. Mm. Uh, because it's not going back to Brooklyn. Canada's obviously not happening. So from a from a commercial point of view and a, a sponsor's perspective, that doesn't sit very well. So it'd be interesting to see how they navigate that one over the coming weeks. Hmm. I think it's, from what I read as well, they were struggling to fit anything in due to the league type, because, you know, if anyone doesn't watch Formula E, everything's on a street track or should be. So the league time to get that design signed off and homologated and, and they have to just... Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. And they just have not had their luck when it comes to Canada. They fell out with the local people. And then they had a promoter that seemed from all intents and properties to be a bit of a charlatan that know what they were doing. Yeah. Uh, and they just haven't been able to get it sorted, which this time's kind of suggested. It's really not what you want when you're quite a young series, mm. generally speaking. You know how long it took Formula One to get a foothold back in the US after their kind of misadventures back in the mid northeast. So, Mm. We need to figure something out some way. Amy, have you got any news articles that you want to chat about that you've um, seen that you that you think's interesting? Not really, but is the boycott ending for Sky and Red Bull at Brazil? Uh, yes, it is. So yeah. Apparently, the the Sky team well, they've sent the big boss down to Red Bull uh, <laughs> to try and to try and iron out the the relationship, as it were, and the yeah the the boycotts off. And Max was it Verstappen. really a boycott though? Yeah. I, I, like, <laughs> I don't Let, know. I think I saw them more in the news. Let's be honest. On. <laughs> let's be honest. The Red Bull sponsors will want to see their sponsors sponsors shown on the TV as much as possible. The boycott yeah. was a token for the race last weekend, but they weren't going to do it permanently. And especially Christian Horner, he loves the limelight, so he he would have wanted to be on the the, the show just as much as uh, you yeah, know the fans watching as well. Interview, so. He'll definitely be there. And George Russell said something really funny at the Las Vegas because he brought it up on stage, didn't he, at the Las Vegas? Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's an interesting point. Yeah. They had the Las Vegas kind of opening a, a yeah. year before the race is due, which is strange. <laughs> but, yeah, very American for our American fans. You probably expected it. But, yeah, it was it was interesting. We saw cars with... Here's, here's a question for you then, Tim. The undercar lights that were featured on the Mercedes at Las Vegas, have you seen any images of that, of the LEDs under the cars? No, I haven't caught up with that yet. I like the sound of it. Yeah, uh, they looked. It looked cool. They, it yeah. did look cool. I like. I it. can't wait. I'm going to be well. Touch wood. I'll be at that race. And it's it's an insane thing. The United States races and mm. the. I mean, Miami was as a as a spectator was a very costly race to go to. Vegas is <laughs> going to be even worse. And mm. apparently, there's hospitality tickets that are going to be reaching twenty thousand dollars for a three day, wow. which <laughs> just seems absurd. But people will pay it. And uh, it'll be a sellout. And if yeah, things like lights under the car, that sounds cool. Well, uh, if you haven't, yeah, you you haven't seen the pictures, go go over to Mercedes socials. They've they've got images. It looks very very cool. I liked it. Coops was a bit of a, again, a purist about it. I think <laughs> it's fun, but I think you know they won't do it for races because it's too heavy. It's it's all about weight. But yeah, it was good for what it was. It's it's a last bit. They were racing cars down the last biggest strip. Of course you're putting lights under the car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the guys, Oscar, wrote a, an article about the pricing for the, the regular fans over at the website. The prices are obscene, but then we've seen it over here. You know, the Silverstone prices where they were stacking it, you know. Yeah. That, that, that was probably one of the worst own goals that they could have done. But, you know, people pay it, people will pay it and it'll yep. probably be sold out. So, mm. 
But do you, you think know? that sort of limiting audiences, I suppose? I know people will pay and people will go, but I think that kind of... Because it always comes back to this question, and I believe, and it is an opinion, that the motorsport is very hard to get into from like a working-class background, and I think mm. if they just keep increasing the spectator like prices as well, it's sort of narrowing the people watching it, the people who then would want to get into it from watching it and things like that. I think it, it does narrow down the whole sport a bit, and this yeah. whole diversity and inclusivity is a bit like, hang on a sec, are you really thinking about the people who maybe can't afford to go to a race that that's big? But that if people are paying, I mean, I, from a business perspective, it is obviously a good thing. Yeah, from the, it makes sense business-wise, but I, I, I was speaking to one of our fans, actually, one of the American fans uh, that we've got, and it, it would be cheaper for him to fly over to the UK, go to Silverstone, put himself up in a, a nice, you know, decent four-star hotel, and he could do that under the ticket price for a standard grandstand. So I mean, it's crazy. It is crazy. Anyway, we'll move on because we, we have got our guest here. We've got Tim Sylvie from the Motormouth podcast. We just want to chat about your podcast for, for a little bit, if you don't mind. So what is the Motormouth podcast and how did it start? Well, it started because I, I'm an avid podcast listener anyway. So I listen to all sorts of podcasts. And the first motorsport podcast I ever listened to was one called, it's now called Park Ferme, mm. run by a guy called Todd McCandless, who is in the States is he in the States or Canada? Not sure. Anyway, he's in North America and it used to be called something else, but they got a, a letter from Formula One because they had F1 in their name telling them to change their name or, you know, they'd be re- receiving a cease and desist. We've had that too. <laughs> God, well, you know, you've made it when that happens. That's, that's quite cool in a way. So they, so they had to change their name, which had massive impacts for them because it changed everything on their website, you know, their analytics and everything. And, mm. you know, it set them back a bit. Anyway, he, he's got this podcast where they review races and I thought it was brilliant. I just thought this is such a, I got totally hooked on them. They've done maybe 800 episodes or something like that. Wow. And they've, got, they've got a big following as a podcast, not so much on social or anything, but anyway, they're a brilliant podcast. Check them out. So I was listening to him and I thought this feels like a growing world and it seems like a good way for us to point to talk and to point traffic to our website and our app and events and stuff. So we decided to start, well, I decided to start our own one and then just started looking around for people to co-host and found Harry Benjamin, who's who at the time was, what was he doing at the time? He just come out of an like acting school or something. He's, he, you know, prancing around on stage and he, <laughs> but he's a most sport fanatic and he and I started doing it together and he's gone on to, you know, do commentary in Formula One on F1 TV and all sorts of different things. So and he's also appeared on the Everything Everyone podcast. <laughs> has he? Did you, did you meet up with him face to face or was it? A... No, it was again by Zoom. But he's, he's a nice guy, a really lovely nice. guy. He's like six foot, a million, size 16 feet. He's a beast. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> he, he and I started it and we just thought we'll see how it goes. And we, our first episode was with a guy called Callan O'Keefe, who at the time was racing for Fernando Alonso's team, Faye Racing, I think it was called or is called, something like that. And we sort of tested it with him. And looking back now, I mean, episode one is a horror show. Like if you listen to it, you know, horrible audio quality, echoey room, terrible. Been there, Been there yeah. done that. <laughs> yeah. And then we gradually got better and we sort of, found our our way of doing things and our our style and and gradually got better and it and it kind of grew and we started getting bigger names every show is an interview we don't do race reviews we don't do previews we just do interviews and and talk about people's careers and opinions um and, and the guests got bigger and bigger and we we ended up getting all sorts of interesting people from F1 world champions to NASCAR drivers or IndyCar drivers and pioneers and even people like Willie T ribs from uppity on Netflix who, you know, suffered yeah. as you know horrendous racial abuse in, in, you know, many years ago, but was widely regarded as one of the greatest racing drivers ever that just didn't get the opportunities because of the colors, color of his skin through to people like, you know, Nico Rosberg and Mark Weber and Coulthard and Crofty, all sorts of different interesting people. And it's, it's grown and went, like I said earlier, sort of 140 ish episodes in, and we've got some great partners and some, some loyal listeners. So it's really good fun. We love it. Who's been your favorite guest to interview? Gunter Steiner. Oh, nice. Oh, <laughs> Did he swear a lot? No. No. Ah. He, he, he was angelic. He was the, the reason I liked that, that was my favorite. And I don't know whether it comes across in the interview, but he was just such a nice guy. And it, I didn't really know what to expect. I kind of thought he's going to be this sort of sweary guy that you see on Drive to Survive. Mm. Um, you know, that's a bit scary and intimidating. And it turned out he was kind of the opposite. He was friendly, calm, chatty didn't swear was very <laughs> open and honest and when we pre- when we finished recording he stayed to ask me and harry about our lives and our 
careers and what we do and how we started. I was like, this is amazing. You know, he's wow. got all the time. And I've, I've done a bit of work with Haas lately because I'm working with, with one of their sponsors called Handtech Markets. And they, I've spoken to them a lot about the, the sort of vibe at the team. And people speak so highly of him and the way he runs that team and the family atmosphere and the environment in Banbury. So he was probably my favorite. Okay, then we're, we're going to go totally opposite then. Who's been the most standoffish for you? Probably Rosberg. <laughs> oh. Because he, uh, yeah, definitely Rosberg, actually, not probably thinking about it. Because everyone on the whole has been really, really friendly. And he was mm. friendly, but it was, a, I felt with him, it was a little bit like we, we, we dialed in, it was all fine. And he, he was like, there was a certain way until we hit record. And then he changed massively, you know, and it, right. and it felt like there he, you know, I'm going to turn it on now. You press record and you know show an interest, and I don't know. He just I didn't get good vibes from him. He, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. He, it just felt a little bit awkward, and and he he definitely had his own agenda, as people do, because people want publicity, and and he wanted to talk very much about Green Tech Festival and you know his what he's doing business wise now. Whereas, you know, we obviously wanted to talk to him about his relationship with, with Lewis Hamilton and, you know, his dad. And, you know, it just felt a little bit like it was a, it, it was a, 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 it was a PR exercise for him. And it wasn't necessarily a chat like, you know, down the pub with your mates, which is how we kind of position our, our conversations. So he was a little bit standoffish, but, you know, I'm being harsh. It was still great to, and a pleasure to meet him, mm. but he was probably the most standoffish that we've had. And did he, did he give you anything? any good quotes or anything like that? any any um, in, inside gossip or, or was he just there with his no, uh, agenda was, fair to him he he did i mean he he talked to us a lot about confidence and his confidence issues even when he was winning the world championship and his lack of confidence right up until the end of his f1 career and feeling like he you know not necessarily that he didn't belong but he he certainly had self-doubt which was quite a shock to us because when you look at it from the outside you see sort of quite a calculated calm character confident character and he clearly wasn't so that that was quite interesting to hear his take on that but no i mean we we dived into his business career we we obviously talked a little bit about his his relationship with some of the drivers in, in formula one but no, it's interesting just to, to try and delve a little bit deeper in his into his personality have there been any stories from anyone that you've thought have been like you know phenomenal like we had for example we had mark gallagher obviously who's worked for eddie jordan and all those sorts of things and he had some great stories about frank williams mm. and the times that he spent with and, and we uh, uh, me and coops as you know the older of the team kind of were just we had our mouths open the whole time and got just, just love yeah. listen, listening to his stories. Has anyone g- given you some really juicy stories that you that I you mean, kind of really took 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 to heart? Mark Priestley had some good stories. The ex McLaren mechanic, because he used to work very closely with Kimi Räikkönen, and he's written a book actually, which is is quite good, which has some good insights. But actually, the the one that comes to mind is not necessarily one of the sort of more high profile people or or legends that we've had. Um, it's it's actually Charlie Martin, who is transgender racing driver who we know really well and she's done a lot of stuff with us but the first time I interviewed her it was quite eye-opening because I think you can go through life quite you know with your blinkers on and and you're in your own little bubble and you know you you plot along not really giving things a great deal of thought sometimes and Mm. I interviewed her and it really opened my eyes to that whole community because in a number of ways but one from a driving perspective it was really interesting because she was saying that before her transition she was quite a hot-headed, aggressive driver. Mm. She went through the change, had all her testosterone removed, replaced with estrogen, by all accounts became a female and lost muscle mass. You know, she is now a woman. Yeah. Uh, and her driving style changed completely. She became calmer, more, more calculated, and, and, and a better and quicker driver with a calmer head as a girl than she was as a boy. So we've right. had some nice insights like that, which you just don't think about and stuff like that just gets you thinking. And, you know, I think that that changed the way we do our interviews actually a little bit because you start diving a bit deeper into people's psyche and, you know, what makes them tick. So yeah, we've had things like that, which is, is just opened my eyes a little bit. And I think it improved, improved me as a, as a podcaster, but also as, a, as an individual. Coops, you got a question for Tim? Hey, who... Would you say is your ultimate guest that you would like to get on, or who, maybe even someone who's passed from the from the motorsport world that you would have loved to have interviewed? Who would like? That's two questions, I suppose. I mean, we really want to get Lewis. 
I think he'd be fascinating. We're very close to getting Anthony Hamilton. So oh, nice. We, I was lucky enough to to have a drink with him in Miami this year, the Grand Prix, and we had a we had a couple of beers. And I mentioned the podcast. And I said, "Would you come on?" And he said, "Yeah, let's do it. You know, come come to the house, let's have a few drinks. I'll tell you everything. Tell you everything you want to know." So yeah. I'm really excited about the prospect of that. But Lewis would be great. The other one that I would love to get, and I've tried, there's two others that I want to get. One <laughs> is Sebastian Vettel, because he's, I just think he's bonkers at the moment. Like he he, he used to be the villain. He was the yeah. pantomime villain. And he's gradually become everyone's favorite Formula One driver. And he's hilarious. Like I watched him at the Autosport Awards accepting an award and he was funny, like genuinely funny. Everyone was like, Who's this guy? He, he, I would love to get him because he's up to so many interesting things. He's got so many interesting thoughts. So he'd be fun. And one I've been pestering for the last three months is Michael Massey. Oh. <laughs> I have his phone number and I've texted him. I've got him on LinkedIn. He's read my messages. I'm like, come on, Michael. Let's, and I don't want to catch him out. It's not, this is not, I honestly don't want to make him look like a plonker. I just want to him to have his moment to say this is this is my perspective mm. um, i think that would be fascinating so but i mean i've got i've got a list as long as my arm live there's so many people we still want to get on and people we're, we're talking to about future podcasts so yeah there's so many so many i suppose the the interesting way of it because obviously you're just doing you don't do race reviews you don't do kind of current news you're doing interviews yeah. it's great that, that the fans can kind of just look through the back catalogue without having to worry about ruining you know you know the news or whatever or, or worrying about the news being out of date or the race results being out of date because that's not what you're you're there to talk about yeah and it's it's quite nice going back through the catalogue every now and again and looking at because i forget who we've had I, we had a, an embarrassing moment with buemi where i was talking to his current pr and i was like yeah we'd love to have sebastian on the show that'd be that'd be great and i texted harry to say ah oh, because Harry's um, Tomo F1, Tom McCluskey's doing it with me at the moment because Harry's yeah. on so much of stuff and flying around the place. Mm-hmm. But, but I texted Harry, I was like, oh, we got, we got Buemi on the show. He went, you know, we had him in episode 30 something. By then, and it was too late. So I was like, I've got to do it now. I've got it. Fortunately, he had his new race seat. So it was like, okay, we've got a reason to, to have him on. But I was like, mm-hmm. oh, crap. I've done that a couple of times now. I forget who we've had and then try and rebook them. And they're like, came on last year. And I, oh, yeah, yeah, of course you did. Never mind then. Um, did you did you do all yours via Zoom or you've got a studio or you've got access to no, a studio as well where you get them all together? We used to do them face-to-face in London mm. in, in like a WeWork meeting room. And I would have continued with that had COVID not come along. But because of COVID, we went virtual. And, and honestly, I wouldn't do it any other way now because it's so much easier. Mm. COVID helped us loads because everyone was sat around like we, messaged Coulthard and were like do you want to come on the podcast and because he was bored at home he was like yeah why not <laughs> so it really helped us it sped up our trajectory big time and we meet up with people every now and again we did Johnny Herbert at the Silverstone Experience Museum and we did Kelvin Fletcher who's not only Strictly Come Dancing winner off the farm on telly but he is also British GT champion so he is relevant so we did him mm-hmm. up in Manchester face to face and we've done one or two others face to face since then like we did Mark Blundell at a fancy members club in London that he's part of and a few others but generally we do them virtually now it's, it's fine yeah it's funny you say mark blundell i'm still I, i've got I, I got his pa recently and she said he he might be interested but we've got to sort out a time i'm like come on i want to speak yeah. to you yeah, you'll get him he's he's good he's good value nice bloke yeah I'm, i imagine he's got lots of stories yes. okay, okay would you want to give a final plug i know we've mentioned it a couple of times a final plug to your podcast and where people can find it i'm sure you probably find it all on all places that they're listening to this one and more. Yes, yeah, you find it in all the usual places. Just search the Motormouth podcast. It's it's on pretty much everywhere. I think we're on YouTube. We are we have our cart race, which is motormouthcartrace.com and you can donate to both charities there. So dip into your pockets, and that's a Wilton Mill. Next one will be June twentieth, I think, next year. So if anyone wants to come along, check out the website. And our our other website is motormouth.club which has got all our news and views and various other bits and pieces on. And you can you can download the app straight from there. So yeah, give us a follow. Wonderful. Well, on that note, we are Everything F1. You can find us on all our social platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, <sighs> quite a few places. You can also find us on our shiny website, www.everythingf1.com. 
And of course, you're listening to us on this podcast today. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button, the bell, whatever it is on your service to get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. Enjoy the race weekend in Brazil. We'll be back next week where we have got, who have we got? We've got Ben Hunt from The Sun helping us to review the Brazilian Grand Prix. That's it from me, James Stiller. Thanks very much to Coops and Amy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you very much to our guest, Tim Sylvie. Thank you, Tim. Cheers, James. No problem at all. Bye-bye.